Hello, everyone, and welcome to October of 1991. In the news this month, ex-postal worker Joseph Harris kills four postal workers. Burmese opposition leader Aung San Suu Kyi wins the Nobel Peace Prize. The Blue Man Group have their first performance in New York City. Clarence Thomas is confirmed as U.S. Supreme Court Justice. The Minnesota Twins beat the Atlanta Braves 1-0 in 10 innings in Game 7 of the World Series to become world champions. The number one song of the month is Emotions by Mariah Carey, barely surpassing Good Vibrations by Marky Mark and the Funky Bunch. And the top three movies of the month are Little Man Tate, Curly Sue, and Other People's Money. Welcome to another episode of Be Kind, Please Rewind, a 90s movie podcast. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Be Kind, Please Rewind, a 90s movie podcast. I'm your main number one superstar host, Kevin. It's odd that he introduces himself that way, and I I said he was that guy last time, and he's like, no, bro, this is our podcast. Yeah, because I need to take ownership of my role. All right, well, I'm your second in command, Chris. (laughs) You sound so disheartened. (laughs) And I'm the guy they let hang out with them this is Eric. <laughs> <laughs> all right so in the month of october we have a whole lot of movies and virtually none of them are worth listing so after september hollywood said that was a bad month let's do it even better <laughs> you know you know what's better than one bad month two bad months you know what's better than two bad months if the second month has double the amount of bad movies <laughs> yes. a worse month <laughs> All right, so we have 20 uh, titles this month. There's so many movies. So many bad movies to come out. Wait, 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 wait. So Vanilla Ice made a movie this month. How's that? Like, does that not just sum this month up? So wait. <laughs> he did T2 in March. Not T2. T, 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 he did T2. T, Vanilla Ice did T2 T, in T, TMNT. Yes. Two. Like he sang a song on it, so they said, "You know what? Let's give this guy a movie." You know, you know, we need more Vanilla Ice, more Ice Ice Baby. <laughs> All right, are we ready to go? Yeah, I'm ready as ever, man. I mean, I've go. been sitting here for two hours waiting to get started, so yeah. All right, coming in at number twenty, Two Evil Eyes, grossing three hundred and forty-nine thousand dollars. This is actually a pretty dope premise, though. Two horror tales based on short stories by Edgar Allan Poe. Uh, and it's directed by famed horror directors George A. Romero and Dario Argento. Uh, so one of the stories is a greedy wife kills her husband, but not completely. And then the other one is a sleazy reporter adopts a strange black cat. Really vague premises. But it stars uh, Adrian Barbeau, who was in Creepshow and The Fog. And she has 155 acting credits. And she's in a whole ton of horror movies. And also Harvey Keitel. It's directed by Dario Argento. If you don't know who he is, he's a really famous Italian, mostly horror movie director. And then George Romero directed Creepshow, Night of the Living Dead, and a bunch of other things. This is an interesting Horror movie, I would watch this. Yeah, if you're a horror guy, I guess give it a watch if it's Romero, right? Uh, or Argento. Argento. Um, I'm not a big horror guy. Coming in at number 19, earning $939,000, The Taking of Beverly Hills. A group of embittered ex-cops use a chemical spill to raid the banks and homes of the Beverly Hills. So this is directed by Sidney Fury. He directed Superman for The Quest for Peace. And just so you understand his not, uh 
his his credits, he also directed Ladybugs. Nice. <laughs> I thought you were going to say Superman for the quest for more money. <laughs> That's what I thought. I kept writing that, actually, when I was making my notes. Uh, and it stars nobody. Nice. And this movie sounds like crap, so let's move on. Eric? Coming in at number 18, Whore. Yes. This is an NC-17 no, 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 movie. Wait, wait. Whore, as in W-H-O-R-E. I just want everyone to be clear that there's a movie titled Whore. Your mother's yes. a whore, Trebek. <laughs> <laughs> yes. This movie grossed $1 million. A night in the life of a cynical prostitute forms the basis of Ken Russell's portrait of the world's oldest profession. This director did nothing. It only has one person of note, Teresa Russell, who was voted one of the 100 sexiest stars in film history, and she was Sandra in Wild Things. That is all. In film history? Because it was because of Wild Things. So the the title of the movie kind of tells you the whole premise. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's, oh, probably honestly, like a, it's, it, it's probably like watching a Skinamax movie. I honestly wasn't expecting it to be about an actual prostitute. What was her What was her uh, character trait? Disgruntled? What did you no, say? Cynical. Cynical. What What could you possibly be optimistic about when you're a hooker? <laughs> well, look at Pretty Woman. She that, was optimistic about everything. That Touché. is the. <laughs> All right, I stand corrected, sir. I apologize. All right, coming in at number seventeen. Here we are, cool as ice, grossing yeah. one million dollars. All right, this is I read. I'm gonna read you not the IMDb description, but the description that somebody added to IMDb about this movie. The old teen rebel saga is updated for the rap crowd. Unfortunately, rapper Vanilla Ice is the teen. <laughs> Ice shows up on a neon yellow motorcycle, which gets everyone's attention, including the female honor student who has never had a rebellious, rebellious bone in her body. The tagline. You ready for this? Can't wait. When a girl has a heart of stone, there's only one way to melt it. Just add ice. What does that you, even mean? Yeah, but you don't melt stones, you morons. Yeah, and why would ice melt it? <laughs> it's all sorts of wrong. It's what happens when you have a rapper uh, like Vanilla Ice make a movie. All right, and it stars Vanilla Ice and nobody else, so go ahead. Coming in at number 16. I just want to get back into the chemistry of a heart of stone is melted by ice for just a second. Like, can anybody make sense of that? A heart of stone is melted by ice. The tagline gave up before the movie even <laughs> hit theaters. I think they like the fact that it's vanilla ice that's melting the heart. And they thought, oh, it's interesting because it's ice melting a heart. But it's not. It's, it's just confusing. <laughs> All right. Back to Chris's movie. Coming at number 16, City of Hope. Earning $1.26 million. I don't know why I went with that, but there it is. <laughs> An interesting tale with a multitude of characters living lives which, in one way or another, revolve around an old apartment block scheduled to be demolished. I don't know what that means. I couldn't figure anything else out about it. All right. <laughs> this is directed by John Sayles. Isn't this the, the, the plot of um, the little UFO movies? What's that called? With the old people? Oh, no. um, and they were gonna demo their building. Batteries not batteries included. not included. 
There we go. Isn't that the same plot? Sounds sounds very much the same. Okay. Uh, there's actually a few movies on this list that I thought are just copies of other movies, but then I realized those movies came out later, so I don't know. <laughs> All right. <laughs> anyway, uh, this is directed by John Sales. He directs uh, directed a whole bunch of uh, Springsteen videos. Nice. He also wrote Eight Men Out. Oh, nice. Yeah. Starring Vincent Spano from Alive. Tony LaBianco from The French Connection and Chris Cooper. Okay. You may remember from uh, The Patriot. Not hanging with the Coopers? I'm sure he's in that too. <laughs> okay. No, he's not. <laughs> hanging with Coop, hang with Mr. Cooper. Is that with Sinbad? No, he's a guy that looked like Sinbad. I don't Uh-oh. remember his name. <laughs> Go ahead, Eric. Number 15, Man in the Moon. Had trouble finding this because I kept typing man on the moon, um, <laughs> which it's not. So man in the moon grossed $2.8 million. Two sisters try to maintain their bond when they meet a local boy. When two of them start dating secretly, it almost tears the sisters apart. But then an accident reunites the sisters. This is directed by Robert Mulligan. Nothing. No other actors in this except for a young Reese Witherspoon plays a Danny. What's, What's a Danny? Danny? Jinx. That's it. Coke. What? You don't know what a Danny is? No, he plays Danny. I don't know. The movie oh, I thought you said plays a Danny. You, you said no. a Danny as if a Danny <laughs> is a broad description. Oh, Danny of a boy. Thing. Right. I don't know. I was like, oh, this is something from Ireland. <laughs> Coming in at number 14, Homicide grossed $2.9 million. Policeman Bob Gold has to capture a murderer that not even the FBI has been able to find. But before he can even start, he's reassigned to the murder of an old Jewish lady. Evidence, the evidence points at a Jewish hate group, and he discovers connections between them and his previous case. I wanted out of this whole fucking thing before I even finished the description. Stars Joe Montaigne, which he's just he's a, a quarterback, pun- you crazy asshole. <laughs> yes, he's a pun- Joe Montaigne is just a punchline. And William H. Macy, which I generally hate, but seen the movie Fargo and he was pretty good at You in hate that, so. William H. Macy? I'm just not a fan of his face. His face bothers me for some reason. <laughs> I liked him in uh, Sahara. He was in Sahara, right? Yeah, I think so. With... Um, uh, McConaughey. Uh, McConaughey and Zan. I love him in yeah. that TV show Shameless. He's phenomenal. Yeah, Shameless is great. I just his face bothers me. All right. His acting's probably better than his face. I couldn't Absolutely. keep up with that description. I like zoned out three times while you were reading it though. Yeah, policeman and blah blah blah. Yeah, exactly. Next. <laughs> Moving on. Coming in at number thirteen, shout. That's not part of it, but let's do it. Uh earning three point four million dollars. <laughs> now this is gonna sound familiar. A new music teacher in a 1955 West Texas home for wayward boys brings new vision and hope for many of the interned boys. Uh, yeah, so this is a dance movie starring... Footloose. No, better yet. Saturday Night Fever. John Travolta is in this movie. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> Directed by Jeffrey Hornaday, who has done nothing but be a choreographer in dance movies. So now he's going to just direct one. Okay. Starring John Travolta... Jamie Walters from Quantum Leap in Beverly Hills 90210. Heather Graham. Nice. Heather Graham. And Great Lin- actress. Yes. And Linda Fiorentino, who is from Men in Black and Dogma. And also, you want to say something? No. Okay. Uh, Gwyneth Paltrow also makes her theatrical debut in this movie, but I think it's in a small role. Nice. Good call. Good catch. All right. What are we? Number 12, The Hitman. 
This movie grossed $4.6 million. A cop goes undercover as a hitman to bring down a criminal organization. Director Aaron Norris. I'll give you a hint who the star is. Chuck Chuck Norris. Norris, his brother. (laughs) I beat you Uh, to it. Yeah, Aaron Norris. um, Well, he's known for other Chuck Norris movies. He directed Sidekicks. He's an aggressive Um, amount of nepotism in Chuck Norris movies. He loves his brother. Uh, and he his, also cousin, did... his cousin also directed a movie last year. For a man you hate, you love Chuck Norris. Why? Because I do a podcast about movies and retain information that's been told to me. Right. If you hate Precisely. someone so much, you should push their info out of your head. Okay. Well, that opinion. would be pointless. Um, he also directed Walker, Texas Ranger. Um, besides uh, Chuck Norris being in this movie, there is nobody of note. I'm going to bring this up every time we talk about Chuck Norris. Did you guys ever watch like the Conan O'Brien, the late show with Conan O'Brien? And he would do like this, he had this like lever on the show. It wasn't a real lever, but it was like a pretend lever. And every time he'd pull the lever, it would play like a random clip from Walker, Texas Ranger. And obviously they weren't random clips, but it was always something insane. No? no. Just no. me? No. All right. Not a Conan fan. All right. I love Conan. I just like the Chuck Norris jokes. That's about it. Okay. Go. Coming in at number 11, Black Robe, earning $8.2 million. In the 17th century, a Jesuit missionary nicknamed Black Robe by the natives and his small party of companions try reaching the Huron tribe in Canada, all while facing mistrust. Iroquois warring parties and harsh winters conditions get in the way. I think the big thing here is this movie, uh, the Native Americans had a big issue with this movie. They... They kind of like boycotted this movie. They really pushed this movie not to exist. Why? Because apparently throughout the whole movie, it's just like abuse towards Native Americans. Like it's just racist and just. So having never seen this movie, having never seen this movie before, I was prepared to title it the Canadian Dances with Wolves. But that would be the opposite of of what's going on here. Apparently. It sounds like to me, actually. They said like some of the scenes were so brutal, like test audiences, like lost their minds. And they had to cut cut out like people actually had to be carried out on stretchers. I don't know about that, but people people were not happy about this movie. Women were fainting in the aisles. <laughs> Children were throwing up. Yes, men were beating other men. <laughs> Sodas and popcorn were being hurled recklessly. The end of days. Cats and dogs living together. Mass hysteria. Yes, that's exactly what happened. Coming in at number ten. Wait, hold on. No, there's no more for this. No, movie. it was it directed no by Bruce Bursford, who directed Driving Miss Daisy. As I said, this, there should be no more. Starring August Schellenberg from Free Willy. It's all the information that I forgot already. Well. I thought you retain information. Okay. Our entire audience is now dumber for having listened to the rest of that sentence. You shut it. (laughs) Coming in at number 10, the butcher's wife, grossing $9.6 million. A clairvoyant thinks she's met her husband-to-be because she's seen him in her dreams. They marry quickly and return to the husband's home in the city. She has a big impact on everyone she meets by anticipating their questions and actions and advising them of their love life. Her interference then brings her into contact with the real man of her dreams. Stars a blonde Demi Moore, Jeff Daniels, and Mary Steenbergen. Who is who, Chris? She's Clara Clayton. I don't know her name. Yes, that's she's only Clara Clayton. And that's it. Directed by Joe Nobody. Wait, so you pronounce it Demi? It's not Demi. I say Demi. Is it Demi or Demi? No, it's definitely Demi, but I say Demi. 
Demi God. No, Demi Moore. Demi Glaze. No, Demi Moore. That's why it's Demi Moore. Because you can't have a Demi Glaze or a Demi God. <clears throat> but you can have a Demi Moore. <laughs> I said it right that time. Solid it. argument. <laughs> Okay, coming in at number nine. I don't know what any of that means. I are we doing a movie podcast or no? <laughs> no, I, because these aren't movies. Is this just stand-up? Are we, are, we, are we auditioning for stand-up at this point? We're trying to make it entertaining because there's nothing of value in this entire month. This, these movies suck all <laughs> sorts of asshole. Like, in all reality, this we should just skip this month. <laughs> I wanted. I actually kind of wanted to see The Butcher's Wife, though, because to me, more in Jeff Daniels and Mary Steenburgen, who's Clara Cleeton. And because the director, Wolfgang Peterson. Oh, no, it's a different movie. Never mind. My bad. All right. Thanks for making me edit that. <laughs> <laughs> you can leave these things in because they're funny. Go ahead. Can I Eric. go now? Okay. Yeah. Coming in at number nine, The Super, grossing $11 million. Karma comes into play when a wealthy, wisecracking landlord is ordered by a court to live in his filthy buildings that he runs. Director Rod Daniels, he did Teen Wolf and Rod. Beethoven Second. Rod. <laughs> and um, the actor, Joe Pesci. Um, this is his first movie where he received top billing. He had just uh, come off a of Home Alone in the 90s and Goodfellas. And um, it goes on to do My Cousin Vinny right after this. So. Can't wait for My Cousin I'm Vinny. So looking there you go. My Cousin Vinny. And That's a movie. That's a top five comedy. You also had Vincent Gardenia, his last movie ever, and Madeline Smith Osborne, who played Mrs. Farmer in Funny Farm, uh, Husband of Chevy Chase. All right. You know, I would watch a movie that forces a shitty landlord to live in his shit. That sounds good. <laughs> No, I know I saw this movie. movie when this, this came out. Movie, yeah. I don't remember much about it, but I remember this movie coming out. Joe Pesci is perfect for this role. I love when people are forced to like live in the filth that they've created. You want you mean get their comeuppance? Yeah. That's awesome. I love that stuff. Eat their humble pie. And who doesn't love Joe Pesci? He definitely curses a ton in this movie. What other cliches can I throw out? I don't know. I'm out of cliches. All right, then. Coming in at number eight, Shattered, earning $11.5 million. After a horrific car wreck leaves him an amnesiac, a man slowly begins to unravel his shocking past. What does this sound like? Memento. No. Okay. That's what it sounds like to me. Yeah. But, but like a shittier version of Memento. Uh, directed by Wolfgang Peterson, he directed Das Boot, Outbreak, and Air Force One. Nice. I can't wait for Air Force One either. Outbreak like, is a great movie, but doesn't really sit well with me being the current conditions of this world. <laughs> We're going to get to all three of these movies, actually. No, Das Boot came out in the 80s, right? I don't think so. No? All right, we're gonna wait, yeah, yeah. No, I think you're absolutely right. Go okay. ahead. Well, we'll get to Outbreak and Air Force One. Both good movies. So this is starring Tom Berenger. Of course, he's from Platoon, The Big Chill, Major League, and Inception. And Bob Hoskins, who is from only one movie. I don't care. Hook. Hook. <laughs> hook. hook. Oh, I'm just the hook. 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 Follow the hook. He's also from Super Mario Bros. And Who Framed Roger Rabbit. I love him in Who Framed Roger Rabbit. Bob Hoskins is a treasure. Yeah. Not American, but still a treasure. He's not American? No, he's English. Oh, that's good to know. I should. I feel like I should know that, but I don't. You probably should. Yep. Being that you, now you do host the movie podcast. Yeah. And Joanne Wally, who's from Willow, and that's it. Wait, wait. Confession time. I've still never seen Willow. What? Neither have I. It's never. You seen guys it. have to watch it. It's on the. I've it's tried. On the app. 
I've tried on multiple occasions and I, I failed not because it was boring, but just because I like was in bed watching it and fell asleep. Not once, but twice. Warwick Davis, bro. I love that movie. Moving on. Do you know who Warwick Davis is? A um, little person. Professor Flintwick. He's a little Harry person. Potter. Yeah. Moving on. Guess what? I'm taking over, bitches. Coming in at number seven, Ernest Scared Stupid. All right. Wait, wait. Arguably the best Ernest. Arguably. I don't think it's an argument. Saves, it Christmas, is it saves Christmas is pretty solid. All right. Well, let's give them all a watch. <laughs> <laughs> but we have. <laughs> Earning what was the original? Point. Ernest went to camp? Coming in at number seven, Ernest Scared Stupid. Earning $14.1 million. It's it's crazy. Jim Varney just keeps making money in the nineties. Like these aren't good movies because there are no movies for children in the nineties. They call movies <laughs> children's movies, but they're not. They're movies for adults with like a PG rating on them. <laughs> that's true. That's well, he true. picked a good month for this to come out because he pulled it up to top seven with all the other crap around them. Yeah, he grossing did. fourteen million dollars in the nineties is no small. Feat, and a movie, so. I assume, I have no basis for this number, but. <laughs> I assume like cost less than $5 million to make. So I guess <laughs> what up, what's the plot? Because we haven't done that yet. Ernest accidentally unleashes an ugly troll that plots to transform children into wooden dolls in the town of Briarville, Missouri. Nice. And what's the only thing I remember about this movie? The Is trolls, the trolls. And I vaguely remember like milk kills them. <laughs> <laughs> That's how they defeat the trolls. I'm not sure. I only remember the trolls and nothing else about this movie. Yep. <laughs> Eric, anything to add? I have no recollection of this movie. I know I saw it when it came out, but I was 10. <laughs> Didn't he like go through a tree to get to like the world of the trolls? I don't know, bro. I'd be just grasping at straws. <laughs> uh, anyway, this is directed by John R. Cherry Third. Why I don't do we know need why. to know this? Is that a he made directed- up name? He directed all of the Ernest movies, uh, but as John Cherry in the other ones. Okay. I looked it up. He dropped the R because... I, and the third. Hmm. Uh, starring Jim Varney, of course, nobody else. And interesting fact, a total of 17 trolls appear in this film. Real life trolls? Real, real, real ones. <laughs> no trolls were hurt in the filming of this movie. The the troll union was really happy with the making of this movie, weren't they? (laughs) They were very satisfied with the representation. (laughs) Solid. Coming in at number six, House Party 2, grossing $19.5 million. When kids' college money is stolen by a crooked music promoter, Play's solution is to stage the mother of all pajama parties, starring Kid and Play and Martin Lawrence. Wait, is mother. it mother? Yes. It's mother. Uh, the director is George Jackson and Doug McHenry, who also produced Kevin New Jack City. Yeah, nice. So produced though, a... not directed. Mario Van Peebles yeah, directed. Yeah, they it, produced right? it. Yeah, correct. The actor is Christopher Reed, who's kid, and Christopher Marin is um play. play. Yeah. Both known for house parties one, two, and three. Yeah. And they had a hip hop group. They sure They did. are the hip hop group. K- they K- are play. the play. <laughs> couldn't tell you one yeah. song. And one has that. really tall hair. Yeah, no, I couldn't either. But they, I know that they were a staple in uh, the hip hop culture oh, sure. in the very early, uh, late 80s and early 90s. So I don't remember big, this movie. Big music I, videos. 
Yeah, I, re- I don't remember this movie, but I we watched the first one for the podcast. and uh, No, you I, did. It was at number four. Yeah, I remember that, but I, I thoroughly enjoyed it. It was as good as I remembered, so here we are. And the only thing I really did through my research, I found that Martin Lawrence had been in a couple movies, but after this, he went on to do Martin the next year, and that's when his career really took off. I'm back again! Coming in at number five, Ricochet, earning $21.7 million. A district attorney is terrorized by the criminal he put away years ago when he was a cop. So this is starring Denzel Washington. So I feel like this is just perfect for him because he's the cop. Yeah. Uh, is it Ice-T in this? Ice-T is in this. So is John Lithgow and Kevin Pollack. Uh, directed- oh, so they got a different white guy instead of Judd Nelson this time. Yeah. So they're just kind of just a little <laughs> twist up. Okay. Uh, directed by Russell Mulcahy. He, he directed uh, a movie that won the Academy Award. For greatest movie ever made. Dances with Wolves? Highlander. Oh, okay. It's a Ricky Bobby quote. Sorry. Mm-hmm. Oh, sorry. I thought, uh, thought you were being serious. So the I'm thing about this Highlander movie. Fan, so. This movie is supposed to take place in the same universe as Die Hard. So like John McClane exists when this movie takes place. Why? Why I is don't that know. a thing? Uh, the only reason I could find is there was another actor who is in both movies and he plays the same character and... Just because I think they liked the character that he played in Die, Die Hard, Hard, and they were just like, "Oh, let's bring him in." As Reprised the role, as yeah. they say. Yes. Was it Carl Winslow, so. the cop? Uh, the actor was John Amos. He's in the second one, not the first one. John Amos. He's the uh, the army captain. Oh, that's right. Well, he played. But the point is, he plays the same character in this movie. An army captain again. Well, the exact same character. He, that whole character could fuck off because it, Die Hard Two is a dog shit movie so wasn't he also like evil didn't wasn't he one of he yeah, was, he was like, the bad guy it. didn't he die at the end of die hard 2 obviously not if he's reprising the role here um, maybe it's supposed to be a prequel and moving on coming in at number four frankie and johnny grossing almost 23 million dollars johnny on his release from jail joins the restaurant where frankie works johnny discovered his talent for cooking when in jail love at first sight bites johnny on seeing frankie Frankie opens up her tragic story and Johnny promises to be with her in difficult times. Whatever. Stars Al Pacino, <laughs> Michelle Pfeiffer, Hector Elizondo, Nathan Lane, and directed by Gary Marshall, who did A League of Their Own, Pretty Woman, Overboard, amongst others. Based on this cast and director, I would 1000% see this movie regardless of its dog shit plot. Yeah, that's I a mean, lot as you of read people that, it made me that think I, like I want to see, see it screen. too. Did you? You like the plot? I don't know. Not, not much the it, plot, but the cast. I haven't yeah. read a single plot tonight that I want to see. I just like I, I'm not a I, I can't do I can't do love stories. Like I just they 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 I'm bored right off the bat. But Al Pacino, whatever. Uh, uh, not whatever. Al Pacino, great. Michelle Pfeiffer. Whatever. Hector Elizondo, great character actor. Nathan Lane, same thing. And the director is capable. So given that cast with a, di- a director that could put together more than one movie, yeah, I'm on board. You got five actors there that aren't going to do you wrong. This is the first time we've actually spoke about movie things the entire night. Because there's nothing here until now. And there's nothing in the top three. But let's get on with it. Let's talk about the top three. Coming in at number three, Little Man Tate. Grossing $25 million. Freak. All right, let's all be good citizens and be very, very quiet for Fred. 
Death. There stands death, a bluish distillate in a cup without a saucer. Such a strange place to find a cup, standing on the back of a hand. The power of the mind. Fred, what's the cube root of 3,796,466? 156. The power of the heart. Let's face it, you're the best thing that ever happened to me. The protective instinct. Fred, what the hell do you think you're doing, huh? The need to grow. Right now, your son is starving for stimulation and challenge. He just wants to be a normal, happy little kid. Well, he's not normal, thank God. If anything happens to him, I'll kill you. Ah! In a universe of knowledge... My mother's dead. ...exists a world of confusion. It's not the size of a guy's IQ that matters. It's how he uses it. This is the story of a little love, a little inspiration... Brad. ...and a little... ...genius. This movie was just... It was just boring. So, the plot of this movie is really, I guess, simple. A single mother raises a prodigy on her own, struggling to give him every opportunity he needs to express his gift. Let's discuss the man's gift, the boy's gift, for just a second. He doesn't seem to be like a genius. He seems to be like omniscient. Like he seems to know things that he's never encountered before, and that makes no sense. He's like a savant. No, he's, like, no, he's like, more than a savant. A, no, but a savant like a implies a savant implies that like he's like good at like one thing. Yeah, and that's isn't that also how these gifts work? Where like you you excel at a thing, not everything that's ever been. I think that's supposed to be the whole point of the movie is that this kid is better than all the rest because he's good at everything, but also that he has emotional like capabilities right so that's the whole that's, that's the theme that carries throughout this whole movie is that this woman who wants to, who's a jane grierson right that's her name or something grierson what what's the main character the, the woman who's dd tate jody foster no 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 not dd the the diane yeah, west jane grierson jane yeah, grierson I was diane, right. sorry yeah. yeah so jane grierson is supposed to be this like doctor of like children geniuses right she runs a school and her she's completely incapable of any emotion Right. Like that. That's like the the whole idea is that the hallmark of these geniuses. Right. And it's this kid has that ability to like be emotional and ha and be warm and be like more than she is. Um, but like you're saying, like the problem is like he's just so good at everything, no matter what it is. He's in a physics class for a day and all of a sudden all the kids are copying off of him. And it's like, why does he know everything already, though? Yeah, I don't I don't like this movie, really. I get you know, what I had they hopes were doing, for right? I kept thinking it's gonna get good, but it's almost like there were no, there was no, there were no stakes in this movie. There was nothing, nothing at risk. All right, so actors in other roles: Jodie Foster. We don't need her other roles. She plays Dee Dee Tate. Adam Han, who uh, Adam Han Bird, excuse me, plays Fred Tate. He's young Alan in Jumanji. Yeah, that's the first thing I thought when I saw him. And he's Charlie in H two O, but he only has uh, fourteen acting credits. Uh, Diane West plays uh, Jane Grierson, the school administrator. She's the mom in Edward Scissorhands. She's also in Footloose, The Lost Boys, Parenthood, The Birdcage, Practical Magic, amongst many others. Uh, David Hyde Pierce is in it. Debbie Mazar, she's the girlfriend in Goodfellas. And George Plimpton, who is uh, one of the psychologists in Goodwill Hunting. 
He's the guy that's on TV, the game show host. And then the Billy Madison guy, Eric, who is he that shows up? Yeah, that's the, um, I actually took a note of this because that's the physics Wait, professor, Josh Mostel. He's the principal in Billy Madison. Yeah. Oh, who, yeah, yeah, Who yeah, turns yeah, into yeah. the wrestler. Yes. Correct. <laughs> the, the Blob? What was his wrestling name? Yeah, yes, the Blob. The Blob. That's the exactly blob. it. Yes. He was supposed to tap out. I, I, I also thought that the contrast between Jodie Foster and the kid was too great. Like, she's like, she's just like a really like, I don't know. A hardcore New Yorker, which, by the way, her New York accent was trash. And it yeah, comes it and goes. Yeah. It was on and off. Yes. And it was just like, what, what, like... Yeah, she had her southern accent that, like in this latter half of the movie back. And sometimes she she would like, like be hard, and other times she would be like... Yeah, she, regular mom. Yeah, she oh, you know, she was like the almost like the stripper mom at some point, and then she didn't was, she look sedated the whole movie, kind of like just never changed emotions, like I thought she was falling asleep half the time she was talking. I, I didn't get that vibe. I just got that like there was no consistency in her character's demeanor. Yeah, that's how I felt. Yeah, and she, you know, she went from like being like a half-ass mom to like an overbearing mom to uh, an. An incompetent mom to uh, like a, a a loving mom like it was this movie was all over the place and she directed this movie too so it's like you can't direct it and then act that poorly. <laughs> I I wrote I have so many negative notes about this movie. I wrote I know nothing about being a genius, but I feel like this this is how none of this works. <laughs> <laughs> Right, like, like there's just someone keeping tabs on all the genius kids in the world. What's about the what's up with the snobby jazz music throughout the whole thing? Like, jazz music is that supposed to be for geniuses? Do I not understand the 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 allure of jazz music because I'm not smart enough? Is that what the the director's trying to rub in my face? No, I don't I'm think pretty so. Pretty sure that is what they're trying to rub in your face. I I don't think so though because they force feed you Harry Connick Jr. at one point. Like, I don't need Harry Connick Jr. I don't need him in anything. Yeah, I was going to disagree with you. He he was the best part of the movie. Was I, he really, though? He's literally... Why does he always talk He's with, charismatic, like, at least. But it's Nobody else is. But it's not like a good kind of also, charismatic. I, also, no, what I was saying is, like, during the beginning of this movie, I had hopes. I thought this was going to progress, going to be like a Goodwill hunting type of thing where you're just going to see what? this kid get... Sm- That's super high expectations. <laughs> super high expectations. <laughs> no, I... I I understand. I what had he's hopes saying, for it, and then it's a like good almost premise. I thought so, but it just it just stayed flat the whole time. There was no climax. It never went anywhere. And it yes, was like so Chris boring. will say he loves movies that have uh, character development. I think that was the only point of this movie was that they developed to the end and everyone changed a little bit. Um, Who changed? Really, no, I, I no, no, I'm with the, him. He, the no, mother. The, the, the whole point of the movie was the mother changed. She learned that how right. her kid needed to be taken. She, needed to, let, she needed to let go. You're all. You're right. You're the right. Doctor you're right. changed. I, the, she learned that life wasn't out of a textbook. She had to change her life, and the kid learned how to have, have fun right. and learn at the same you time. That was to, the premise of the movie. You deserved that whole rant. You're, so, yeah, I'll take that one on the chin. <laughs> but also, the reason why I didn't realize that there was any character development was because I didn't give a shit about any of these people. The problem was like. It was just like I said in the beginning. It was just boring. No, the yeah. whole thing was boring. Like I nothing said, was, eventful ever happened. The, the most what, tra- event- what was traumatizing that happened to the kid? Nothing. He was he went and saw Harry Connick Jr. having sex with some girl in his dorm by accident. Like, and then what? The uh, Diane uh, West, her character wasn't like loving towards the kid. And he was thrust into the college. So what? It was like for like one semester. And then the kid went back home. I'd argue very little happened to this man. 
I think the idea of what happened with Harry Connick Jr. wasn't that he walked in on him having sex. Was that it he was let that, him down because no, they didn't go to play pool? It was because Harry Connick Jr. then sent him off on his way and said, we can't be friends. You're too young for me, which is which he's right. Harry Connick Jr. needed to do that, but the kid couldn't handle the disappointment of being abandoned because that's it, he's thinking his mother abandoned him at that point. That's yeah. That's what's happening. So, like, I get those pieces of the movie, but again... It's like you said, I don't care. Yeah, no, it didn't. It, it's boring. It didn't entice me. You had this premise that you could have done so many things with this genius child. And, and you had Jodie Foster and Diane West. Like, you can't. The, I have to say that things like when things like this happen, it's the fault of the director. When you have it's more like in the, the writer's thing, because look at the way the movie ends. At the end of this movie, if they made the kid do something. You know, become something better at the end of the movie. He goes, yeah, I was the smartest until some kid who's younger than me became a lawyer. Then I was nobody. The end. It's like, right. what's the point then? Where does this movie go? Where does this kid go? Tell me that he invented the cure for cancer. The end. And I'll be like, oh, okay, great. Yeah, there was no. Just, point. It just it just ended flat. You know, the whole point of this movie was being genius is hard. Like boohoo. I'm. So, I feel sorry for you, buddy. I, I, I felt bad for the math magician. Yeah, he was his a bit cape. of a tool. How about his cape that? getting stuck in every door? I think that was yes, supposed to be Yes, I actually like that. I like that yeah, joke. Yeah, I noticed yeah. in every scene, the kid's cape was stuck in every door he closed. Every single door. It was good. He's always smoking cigarettes, so it was so weird. Like He's like 12. He's like, everyone's, <laughs> everyone's just fine with him. Just uh, he's a, a genius. Let then... him go. What about he's the math magician? He knows what he's doing. What about the '90s parenting where she left it up to her ten-year-old son to invite all the kids to his birthday party, and then she was disappointed when nobody shows up? Like if I left it to Cam, who's 15 years old, to invite kids to like a party for him, it would be an epic failure. It's like you have to, you have to take control. You have to do parenting. You can't let your 10-year-old son take control and then be upset when it flops. Well, I think well, I think that was that showing was the, the disconnect. Fact- yeah, the fact that she doesn't understand that he doesn't have friends. Or she's just a shit parent. Well, she is a shit parent. That's supposed to be the other point. Like, she, she loves her son, but she doesn't know how to be a parent. Like, that's part of this movie. But that's 90s parenting. Didn't most of our parents were, like, barely there in the and 90s? I was going to say, though, like, I invited all the kids to my birthday parties on my own. Did they show up? Yeah. Well, you're talking talk about 90s. You're a confident little boy. 1994. I remember walking around the neighborhood, putting invitations in mailboxes, and opening up a mailbox, and then bees flew out and stung me. <laughs> what? It's a very traumatic <laughs> moment in my life. Story took a left turn. <laughs> what a twist. Uh, but I remember doing it. All right. Best scene, somebody? I have a couple of scenes I enjoyed. I wouldn't say they were great scenes, though. I actually like the scene with the math magician when they're on the horses and they're kind of like becoming friends, even though it goes nowhere in the end, Uh, because they're sharing like the what it's like to not to be so intelligent. We we can't have friends. There's nobody else like us. There's no one to relate to. And they start relating to each other. But then the math magician decides to smack his horse and make everyone run really fast. And then he gets whacked in the head with a stick and like almost dies. And then that's the last we see of the math magician. Mm. So it was a scene I liked until it went nowhere, but I liked it. Like the rest of this movie. Right, exactly. Eric, what's your best scene? Uh, my best scene uh, was with Eddie, uh, who's Henry Connick Jr., when he picks him up on the scooter and drives him around on the ice. Um, it was a fun scene. It was the only time in the whole movie the kid actually was having a good time, and I think it was kind of foreshadowing that this kid needed to have fun more than just live his life in a book. And then, you know, then Henry Connick Jr. was gone. So it went nowhere again. 
Uh, you don't have a best scene, do you? No. Worst scene, Chris? All right. The worst scene is definitely, and you can't argue with me on this one, when the kid's on the talk show, right? The whole talk show part's fine where he's having his meltdown and being a jerk and just like not wanting to do anything. That's fine. But then all the while, the kid, the, the Jodie Foster's friend's kid is drowning in the pool for some reason. And she just like has to run away and save him. And then she's got blood all over her face. And it's just like, I don't understand what that had to do with anything. Hmm. Why did that kid start drowning in the pool? What was its impact on this movie? Because there was none. Yeah, I, I didn't understand that. And like, she Jodie Foster goes out to rescue him. But then like, there's no... Right. There's it no follow up. No, it just disappears. It has right. no bearing on the movie whatsoever. Eric, what you were seeing? Chris, I had the exact same scene. Uh, the kid Fenton drowning in the pool. Uh, I saw it coming the second it started because she kept peeking back at the pool, yeah. peeking back at the pool. You're like, all right, when's this kid going to drown? And she, I guess, yeah, the CPR saves the kid's life and uh, it had no bearing on the movie. Eric, what's your best role? Because I know we have the same. Best role? I have the kid. Adam oh. Adam Bird, Fred Tate. I just feel Harry like Connick Jr. Mine's Harry Connick. Oh, Jr. I, I I by the way, I have slash Harry Connick Jr. as my other best role. But I figure you can't have the movie without this kid. And the kid's young, uh, you know, you know, he's no, got no, no, the, no, um, no. I disagree. You can't have the movie without a kid. You could definitely have the movie without this kid. <laughs> All right, well said. I actually had Diane West as my best uh I'll look best role. That. I because at first I was just like I hated her. And then when I understood what they were doing with the role, I really liked how she did it and how she just played this like this person that was Stoic. just so out of touch. Stoic. Yeah, and uh, the way she grows throughout the movie, and but she like is still awkward, right? Like so she grows and she's trying, but she's still awkward about everything. Yeah. I, I really like the way she she uh, portrayed that. You're the Roger Ebert of this podcast. You refuse to accept a character that doesn't grow. I guess. He loves character <laughs> development. Loves I do. It. I mean, but that's the whole point of a movie, right? Yeah, that's <laughs> the whole point of a story. Yeah. <laughs> like, so if you can't do that with your character, then it's not a good role. All right. My worst role is Jodie Foster's shitty New York accent. Not Jodie Foster. Just, <laughs> just her, the accent. Just her shitty accent. Okay. That comes and goes. It's That's acceptable. It's acceptable. Eric? Worst role, I had uh, either Jodie Foster, um, but I also put Fenton, the fat kid who drowned in the pool. Didn't drown in the pool. You're not drown, fat kid. Get out of the pool, fat. You float. Just roll over, kid. You'll be fine. What's your worst role, Chris? My worst role is the math magician. <laughs> I love the math magician. I love that kid. I just, I, I just, I don't. Why was he such a badass? Like he wasn't a badass, but they tried to He's make a him badass like, amongst geniuses. But he was such a wiener. But like he acted like a thug. Like I don't get it. Yeah. All right. Uh, also, we need to note Jodie Foster. This is her first feature film direction. She has 10 directing credits, 81 acting credits. Her acting career obviously outshines her directing career. Uh, she acted in Taxi Driver, Freaky Friday, Silence of the Lambs, Maverick with Mel Gibson, which is coming up soon, and I can't wait for that. Love Maverick. Contact, yes. Inside Man, and much more. Although I did note she's only been in four movies since 2013. Which she's is, been doing a lot of directing, though, right? No. She so, has well, no, she directed. I know she directed Orange is the New Black a couple episodes. No. And she, she has, directs Black she, Mirrors, too, which is a big One episode show. of Black Mirror, one, two episodes of Orange is the New Black, one episode of House of Cards. That doesn't necessarily keep you busy. Keep in mind, that's since 2014. So 
while I would love to see her more active, I'm, my point was that she hasn't been doing much lately. Was she involved in any type of scandal? No, right? I know she, she came out, do? but I don't think that had anything bearing on her acting career. No, no scandals. She's a gem. She's a wonderful person. Fantastic human being. I know her personally. I've only heard good things about Jodie Foster, so I don't know. Maybe she had a scandal. I, I was just I was reaching. Reaching. Maybe reaching around. Maybe she's tired, right? <laughs> just tired. She took a nap, bro. Like, I want to know. If I was a famous actor or actress, I could be a famous actress. Uh, if I had millions of dollars in the bank, would I want to work? No. <laughs> and then lastly, most quotable lines. I got one. Go. Uh, when they get to Florida and the hotel got their liquor license removed and the friend Gina's like, you know, you, when you got lemons, you make you make lemonade. And she's like, this ain't lemons, Gina. This is dog shit. <laughs> that's, that's it. That's all I got. It's probably the best have, line uh, in the whole movie. I got two. Uh, early opening monologue uh, the kid was doing. He says, um, mom says I'm the immaculate conception. That's a lot. That's a pretty big responsibility for a little kid. <laughs> and the and the other one was um later on at the end of that monologue um jody foster says to the kid you know what next saturday is he goes yeah you get your period i spend all day alone in the park Whoa. <laughs> that's aggressive oh yeah i got one more line so if she gets hit on the head with the uh the globe and dd calls and jane's like don't tell your mom. We don't want to frighten her. We don't want to upset her. And he picks up the phone. He goes, hi, Dee Dee. Jane was late picking me up, and I got hit on the head with a globe. <laughs> that's just exactly what kids do. Yeah. Like, I remember not long ago, I was at my brother's house, and I gave my nephew a, a, a piece, an extra piece of candy when his mom wasn't looking. And then you said, don't tell your mother. I said, just don't tell your mother whatever you do. He eats the candy and immediately goes, mom, Uncle Chris gave me a piece of candy. <laughs> I'm like, you bastard. All right. Would you recommend this movie, Chris? No. Eric? Nope. And it's a thumbs down for me. All right, Chris, what's number two? Coming in at number two, earning $33.6 million, Curly Sue. Look out, America. The world's smallest con artist is in town. Why don't you pick on someone your own size, big ugly chump? <laughs> She's got a killer smile. Cracked me right on the top of the head, all right? You're gonna cry. A knockout sweep. And a partner. Okay. In crime. We don't steal. But we cheat. We don't break any laws. Well, some laws we do. Not the good ones. They know a good scam. <laughs> when they pull one. Ooh. You killed my or not! What possessed you to invite vagabonds into your home? Now, they're going from the poor house to the penthouse. This was the Ritz. From director John Hughes, creator of Home Alone, comes James Belushi in Curly Soup. A little con artist who finally gets what she deserves. A family. You're a man. She's a woman. Give us a kiss. Please. We're in public. May I? May you what? Kiss your cheek. In a pig's eye. James Belushi, Kelly Lynch, and Allison Porter. Curly Sue. 
I feel like an idiot. Big laughs come in small packages. All right, confession time. I've never seen this movie before, and I was excited because there was this was written and directed by John Hughes. So obviously, any '80s slash early '90s baby will love John Hughes. He's a treasure. He's John Hughes. Um, and I had fun. I got to tell you, yeah, it wasn't bad. No, it, it's a kids movie, though, right? It's it's made for See, kids. See, I have a problem with that. I mean, it's a '90s kids movie. If I sat, yes. Facts. If I sat my eight-year-old son down in front of this movie and had him watch this, he'd be bored to tears. To tears. This is an adult movie that has a couple of scenes in it thrown well, in there for kids. There's slapstick thrown in for no reason, and like it's like obvious that it's meant for to make a kid laugh. Yeah, that that's the best I can say. And you know, the movie kept my attention. I, it's the first time I've seen it in a really Here, long time. Here's the th- here's here's my 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 overall broad stroke opinion of this movie. If this wasn't di- not even written, if this wasn't directed by John Hughes, this movie's intolerable. Yeah, it's not his best work either. You know, I, I'm just saying you needed a man like John Hughes to be able to put together something that was even mildly entertaining out of his own script. But even still, like I just, it's not his best work. But look. I mean, Babe Ruth struck out, right? You, they can't all be home runs, so. This is true. If I'm all not right, mistaken, I, this is also his last film as a director. Yeah, it's his last directorial credit, which is interesting. Mm. He just went on to write after this, or mm, kept yeah. writing, I should say, not went on to. All right, actors in other roles, Chris? Um, well, real quickly, let's just talk about the plot a little bit. So a homeless man and his young companion who survive by conning people meet a woman who may need them even more than they need her. Hmm. Uh, I also kind of disagree with that description. The, the I mean, description it kind of the fits, plot, I guess. But also, all right, so Jim Belushi plays Bill Dancer. Kelly Lynch plays Gray Ellison, which also, didn't she have another name? They kept, like, calling her something else, like Penny or something. No, Gray. No, like they kept once calling or her twice. Gray. No, I'm telling you, there was, like, once or twice they called her something else. Uh, and then you have... Allison Porter plays Curly Sue, and John Getz plays Walter McCormick. Outside of that, it's nothing really important. No, you oh. have Steve Carell that you has a non-speaking non-spe- role. As a waiter. That's it. He just walks up and walks away. It's That's also it. his very first film debut. And Fred Thompson, who plays the um, NASCAR commissioner, I guess, for not knowing what his actual title is in Days of Thunder. Oh, he plays the head lawyer, right? Whatever. He's at this the dinner movie. that yeah. he was pissed off about. And you also have Edie McClurg shows up as, once again, a secretary who is the secretary in Ferris Bueller's Bueller. Day. Oh, uh, okay. So that's a John, Mc- John Hughes favorite. John Hughes is packing them in. So. Yep. All right. Um, I don't know. I thought, like I said, this movie was enjoyable. Uh, I... I I felt that the problem with this movie was that... All right, so Kelly Lynch plays Gray Ellison. I thought she did a fantastic job with the role, but I thought that she was supposed to be, from the very first scene of this movie, stone-cold killer, lawyer, cold-hearted, has no emotions, nothing can faze her. Then she hits this supposed bum, Jim Belushi, with a car, who's with this little girl, Allison Porter, Curly Sue, and immediately melts, like feels bad for the guy, feels really bad for the girl. Takes them to dinner. Yeah, it take, gets, and then, so then that's the, the first time. Then they conned her, 
into getting hit, you know, faking getting hit with the car the first time. Second time, she actually hits Jim Belushi, and then she allows Belushi and the little girl to stay in their house. Like, he's a grown man, you know what I mean, and homeless, and who knows? Like, he could be a dangerous person, right? So, I just thought her transition from cold-hearted, stone-cold killer to mushy and and sympathetic was like it was way too fast you're not the only one that thinks that because there's legitimately no transition it's immediate it's she the opening scene she's saying we're gonna bury him talking to the woman about getting divorced and then it's like all of a sudden she's she's loving and sweet and take gonna take care of and raise this child yeah 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 so yeah, that was my first uh, note as well. It literally at? seemed overnight she became she went from being the worst cunt in the world to like nice. Yeah, th- that's the thing with this movie though, right? So all you have is stupid notes because again, nothing of like significance really really occurs. Like I- I'm not going to we got to get to the end at some point, but I'm not going to do no, it go now. Ahead. Uh, yeah, why she falls in love with Belushi? No, well, yeah, that, but like well, I wasn't even she? going there. Yeah, she does. Like yeah. They're together. They turn into a family at the end for no reason. Belushi has shown nothing. But no, that's not true. He goes and gets a bullshit job, which I guess shows character. The only, the only main attribute redeeming quality characteristic that Belushi has in this movie is that he cares for the little girl which you know that's a great thing but also like she's a super uber successful lawyer in New York and what she's gonna allow this homeless man to. They're going to have a family now just because, like, she ran into him? This is, like, circumstance. And because she likes his kid and he likes the kid, too? That's it's, it. It's 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 silly is what it is. It is silly. And, again, there's no development. He, Like you said, he did nothing for her to fall in love with him. She, he did a lot for the little girl, Kurt to Sue, love to keep loving him yes. and, to, and to trust him. Yeah, that makes sense. That whole dynamic, they did that wonderfully. They really showed you he's not her father, but she looks at him like her father, and she trusts him like he's her father because he he's earned it. it. Right. Yes. He's earned that throughout the movie. Facts. He earns nothing from Gray. Well sp- well said. Um, but what I was getting at, though, with it, where he kind of unearns all that trust is at the end of the movie. So, all right, so midway through the movie, right, all of a sudden... Bill's not in the house and Sue's sitting there eating cereal and Gray comes up to her and she's like, where's Bill? And she's like, I don't know. And she's like, well, is he coming back? And she goes, did he leave a note? No. Did he leave a little ring? No. No, he'll be back then. Right. Then at the end of the movie, they walk in the house. Bill's nowhere to be found. There's a note in in an envelope. Sue sees it. She starts to get upset. Gray opens the note. She pulls out the ring. Sue sees the ring. Now she's really upset. Then the note says, I'm in the living room. Why would he do that to her? I make her think think he left. That would be the most traumatic thing that could happen to this little girl who has nobody else in the whole world. What is the point? That's the end of the movie. The movie just ends. So we're going to jump. No, he kisses them. Then it ends. Oh, okay. oh no they go to yeah they go too. to the school Whatever, and they're a happy still, family because right. the bum the bum the lawyer now loves the bum but why would he do that to her I, so, someone i'm asking shock I, value I, shock I, value so he so here here's where i i'm gonna step on the best scene my best scene was so as it was happening i'm typing on my computer best scene the ending it would have felt great if bill had stayed but it makes way more sense for him to leave yes right so i'm like john Hughes. You, you did it. You had balls. You did what nobody thought you would do, and you let the guy leave, and the girl stays with the other girl, and it's a tough but acceptable ending that was, you know, it's it's the most based in reality what should have happened, right? 
And then two seconds later, you, she says he's in the living room. And I'm, <laughs> I wrote on the computer, oh, for fuck's sake. <laughs> <laughs> but you're not wrong. That would have been a good the, ending. The, but he wanted the been, happy ending. It would have been the smartest ending. Yes. Right? Yeah, but well, not the happiest. No, so. it, but why does an ending have to be happy? Well, I agree with you that it doesn't, but apparently in, in John Hughes films, they, they do. So. I guess this isn't Requiem. And I think yeah. the audience <laughs> this movie was writ for, they're looking for a happy ending. Right. But you, ne- I'm really trying to think of movies that don't have happy endings. And unless they have sequels, they always have happy endings in it. It kind of bothers me, except for Requiem. That's the only movie I've ever seen that ends in reality. What about the Angels with Filthy Souls guy that stole the ring and he went to the pawn shop with God, it? I got so mad at that guy. I, but I loved hearing his voice. He didn't look recognizable, but you heard his voice and you knew that it was him from Home Alone. Did you guys not pick up on no, that? Because I hear that? crickets. Who is he? The guy who's the Angels with Filthy Souls guy. I'll get, I'll ca- oh! You know what I'll do? I'll count to 10. One. Two, ten. That guy on in the him. movie from Home Alone is the guy who stole the ring and pawned it. Oh. John Hughes loves to reuse Good actors. All catch. directors seem to just love to reuse actors. John Hughes can do whatever he wants, in my opinion. Let him film. But John John Hughes reuses like character actors. Like Great. other other directors reuse like the the leads and stuff. Tarantino. Like Tarantino. Tar- Tarantino loves Brad Pitt, right? Lo- uh, loves um, Kurt, Russell. Kurt Russell. Yes, thank you. Uh, who, what's that guy's name? Oh my god, Helena Bottom Carter's husband. Who? What? God, Tim, 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 the director. Tim Roth? No, he directed uh, Nightmare Before Christmas. Tim Burton. Tim Burton. Tim Burton loves Johnny Depp, right? Uh, Christopher Nolan loves Christian Bale. Like they all have their favorites. Mm. It's interesting. I like it. All right. Anybody have any other notes, Eric? You've been pretty quiet here. Um, well, I, I was only thing I was thinking about that you guys kind of skipped over is you keep going like, why did she bring in this bum? And I think the only connection to Belushi was actually Curly Sue. It was Curly Sue that got like her maternal instincts, like kicking that like from the moment she saw her, she kept flashing back to seeing her cry. I think all of a sudden that's what is supposedly changed her so quickly. So she's bringing in the girl, not Belushi for the first couple scenes. She only cares about the girl. She's all of a sudden feeling like a mother. All of a sudden she doesn't care about work. She's not going to work anymore. And I think that's Belushi's in to the movie where all of a sudden now there's been time and all of a sudden the, the feelings start to develop. And That's all you know. good and fine, but there has to be another scene there has she, to be see, something no, i'm agreeing with happens. you the, the, the lives, transition was brutally fast i'm just saying there's a little more connection to the girl than it is to belushi no, i i knew it was because of curly sue that was never in question it was just but how do you go so quickly from cutthroat to caring also and taking in a bum also she lives in new york she's she's seen homeless yeah, sorry, Chicago. I uh, also can I point out for some odd reason whenever they film a movie in a big city and it's Chicago and not New York, I'm personally offended. <laughs> anyway, I just assume it's New York no matter what. But John Hughes movies are always Chicago. Yes, you're right, and that I'm sorry. True. But also, so she lives in Chicago. She's seen homeless people and homeless children before. Like, why is this the one that's life changing? Because she hit him with her car. That's that's, that's not it. a that's good all. It's all you got. Though. I'm not saying it's good. I'm just saying that's what you got. All right. Uh, all right. That that's it. Let's hit the categories. Best scene. I I went over mine, so I'll gloss over it again. The ending, which I thought was great, but turned to shit. So I didn't have anything else in the movie. But I, I it was it would have been really good 
to see John Hughes have the balls to do what I thought he was doing. That was a roller coaster 30 seconds for you. It was, it? yes. I was <laughs> I was on such a high. I was like, he did it. He fucking did it. He left. And then he's in the living room. I was like, damn it. Why'd you do it? <laughs> that I, I'm, I'm with you. That would have been a great ending. Like not like a, I would have liked it, but I would have been like it was the ending that I would have you been needed. Happy. Yeah, not you the ending it. that you wanted, but the ending that you needed. Exactly. Exactly. It would have well, made even, the movie so much better. Curly Sue actually foreshadowed that thought too, because when she's in the car with him, she goes, "Well, he probably left. She, he found me a mother." Yeah. So he actually yep. kind of alluded to the fact that that could have possibly been the ending. I wonder if that was the ending. But and then they it recorded, didn't sit they re- well. They recorded it, this one too, just in didn't case, test and it well. didn't test well. And yeah, they, yeah. They changed I it. could see that happening for sure. See the director's cut. <sighs> All right, Eric, best scene? My best scene that had me chuckling a little bit was when Curly Sue wakes up in the guest room from the um, from the lady's boyfriend. She slugs him in the face. He falls backwards, goes running into the hallway. Belushi sees him screams, punches him in the face, and he yeah. turns around, and then she punches. Like, everyone gets punched yeah, yeah. in the face, and they're falling yeah. on top of each other. Um, I thought like that's one of those moments funny. that made it a kids movie that like, yeah, this, like, I think stick, if I'm not mistaken, fit, but I kind of liked it too. <laughs> they also had the, the 80 sounds, the 90s sounds in it every time. Love. Boing. And yeah, yeah, yeah. like little punches. Yeah, yeah. I, that one got me rolling. I thought that was pretty funny. And there was another yeah. scene when, um, when gray is dressing up curly Sue in all the fancy clothes and she, yes, I like that nothing's fitting her properly she doesn't know how to wear nice clothes are you clothes talking about the... the shopping montage no 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 no, no it's after, no, it's in after the bedroom. everyone shopping okay she just okay. took a bath and she's wearing oh, all these yeah, fancy all right, clothes all right all right all and right, all right. uh you know they keep going back and forth between gray and curly sue and the next scene you see curly sue crawling on the floor rubbing her back uh-huh. it's so itchy yeah. and yeah. i thought that was i did funny. like that i did like that i think it's funnier yeah. when you have daughters too because like <laughs> my daughter oh, yeah. does that's when we dress her up for like her christmas pictures it was the same thing as we put like stockings on her for the first time ever and she's like ripping out i'm like no <laughs> <laughs> all right so my best scene was in the house of beef so it's more of a quote back and forth Mm. Uh, but no, I love this. Please, I w- <laughs> I am so glad you did this. So uh, they're, I guess they're talking behind Gray's back, and they're just trying to like rehash everything that's going on. He's like, "We don't steal, and we don't break any laws. We break some laws, not the good ones." <laughs> He's pretending to clean her face. He's having her spell asphyxiate. Uh, they were just really like working, working Gray. Like they're really trying to just like take everything they can out of her in that moment and i just love both that like i love both of them dropping their he- their heads in their hands in disappointment after gray gets like dragged out by her boyfriend and just so sad that they they weren't able to hit their mark as hard as they wanted to all right worst scene eric my worst scene the awkward wedding toast when he decides to bring her out into his world i'll take you out to dinner i'll take you here they, they crash a wedding and he is I guess such you know a wedding crasher that he likes to give toast, um, i.e. our favorite movie, wedding artist. crashers. Yeah, and uh, he makes Gray give a toast, which is just awful, and it's just kind of awkward and cringeworthy. Yeah, it, it was slammed in there, and it wasn't funny like it should have been. Like it, you want to make it funny, okay? Right. But the, the the dialogue wasn't didn't make me laugh. No. My worst scene is when the boyfriend comes home the first night that Belushi and Curly Sue are sleeping over. And he like stumbles in. He goes to go to her bedroom. The door's locked. He's like, oh, she must be mad. So he goes to sleep in the guest room. And then, you know, that havoc ensues where everybody's getting punched in the face, which that part was funny. But what bothered me was like, she doesn't call 
The boyfriend that she knows is coming home to tell him that two homeless people are sleeping in our house. For, that just really annoyed me. Like you should take a movie should take the time to make you not make you feel like an idiot. You know what I mean? Yeah, but that doesn't. No, see that that I don't think that breaks the rules of the movie is because it's she was already their house. She was already, it's her house. He has it's his her own house. house. He doesn't live there. That's her apartment. She lives alone. She says that multiple times. And on top of that, she's mad at him. And he knows she's mad at him. He even comes home and says it. So the reason he goes in the guest room is because he's like, okay, we'll deal with this in the morning is really what he's doing. Yeah, I, I understand that part. But why would she call him if she's mad at him? She, she lives alone. She doesn't have to tell him. I don't, and know, also she's I don't know if that's the case. And also she knows she knows she shouldn't be doing what she's doing. So she doesn't want him to be aware. And the next door neighbor who's the doctor does know the man's there. So it's not like nobody knows that she's there with the homeless guy. If so, if I miss, if I miss the fact that he, he wasn't supposed to be there, then I apologize, but I didn't see that. And I watched this movie very intently. I, there was nothing that said he was going to be there that night. This movie isn't the most thorough with its plot through lines. Though, right. But, so. but he doesn't live there. So it's okay for her to assume that he's not coming there. Fair. I still was bothered by it. Well, what do you think about the fight that ensues afterwards in the kitchen when they're I, yelling unbelievably we're, at each other? We're, we're, we're going to get we're going to get there. Like Chris hit his worst scene. because we'll, I'll circle back to that. We could have a discussion, Eric. My worst scene was you already kind of mentioned it was the shopping montage. It, I, I, oh, yeah, that's my second worst scene. Uh, what can was, I help you? Yeah. Can, can I, I help you? you? Can May I help we you? Help May you? we help you? Like, why do we have to do uh, this? Uh, why do we have to sloppily throw the clothes on the yep. counter? And you wrote you say exactly what I wrote, and then Sue and and Belushi bathing, and then it's like back and forth. And I'm I'm game for a good montage, a but, montage, no, a fun montage, a funny montage, a montage that moves the the storyline along. I'm on board for all of them. This is a pointless, stupid montage, shoved in there for the sake of having a montage. Exactly. Well, you and, gotta have a montage. The only thing that redeemed it was the end of the montage when we get to like Eric's best scene when when Sue walks out and she's got the ratty old sneakers on with like the brand new clothes and she's all clean. Yeah, that it's was like, cool. Right. And then they have the whole thing where she's like on the floor scratching because she's itchy. And uh, and I, I just wrote this little girl really, really sold sold me on this movie. I don't have her as my best role, so I, I don't know if I agree with you, but I think that look the. The bottom line is that this is John. This movie has John Hughes fingerprints all over it, and I, I I reiterate the fact that, and you can agree with me or disagree with me or be indifferent, but without John Hughes being a part of this, this movie is is unwatchable. We've seen this movie before with stupid things like this, where like three men and a baby or three men and a little lady. That's what this movie would be if this wasn't for John Hughes. Yeah, it's a good comparison, I think. All right, or 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 little man Tate, <laughs> right? All right, best role. I I say uh, Sue. I I really like the little girl in this movie. I think she's the glue yeah. that holds everything no, I, together. I, I totally agree with you. I think she's really lovable. Sure. She's charismatic, and she makes she's the, like the only one that really made me laugh. All right, well, my best role is Kelly Lynch. I don't think that the character development is her fault. No, let me speak before you get ready to interject. I liked her Such acting. A dick. I liked her acting. She I liked her calm demeanor. I liked all except for letting the homeless people sleep in your house, which I know is like a big thing to overlook, but it, with the exception of that, her thought processes and her decisions were 
based and founded in reality. She thought she seemed to be a well thought out person, a character that had faculty, and she had the most growth throughout the movie. And I know that we had the argument that it was too fast, but also, I just think that. I don't know. I liked her acting. I liked her demeanor. I liked her calmness. I liked that she got upset when it was time to get upset. She was happy when it was time to be happy. She was motherly when it was time to be motherly. When it was time to be stern. She was stern to Belushi when it was time to be stern. Telling him that, you know, she's no slouch sort of thing the first night that he's sleeping in her house. She made the movie for me, not anybody else. And then second best role is John Hughes. Because, again, I said it five times, but John Hughes. All right, Eric, best role? Yeah, I put uh, Curly Sue as well. Um, and and like Chris said, he said the he said the glue, but I had wrote that. Um, what did I write? She was the bond that brought all the characters together. So glue I, is a bonding that. agent. <laughs> You're <laughs> yeah. wrong, Chris. She's a bond, not a glue. Yeah, not the glue. <laughs> anyway, just to tell Kevin why he's wrong. Um, so this is best role, not best actress actor or actress right no no so no, she yeah. she might have done a fine job with what she was given but her character is the worst and i hated it hey, you're nitpicking first not, that's not nitpicking no that is not nitpicking nitpicking would be like ooh, this one specific thing that's what i didn't like no the whole thing was bad i just because she acted well we've had this conversation before in other movies you've said roles are bad not because of the actor but because sometimes, of the way the role is written in sometimes. this case this role is written horribly it's a horribly written role. John Hughes did not do a good job with this character. I'm not going to argue with you because I said that there's flaws. I just felt, in my opinion, that she was, she was, when she was on screen, I was the most engaged. Maybe not even entertained, but engaged with the storyline. That's it. So call, tell me I'm wrong. Fine. I did. You, you win the argument. I but know I did. I still stand by my opinion. Because you're always wrong. All right. Worst, worst role, Eric? Worst role. Um, I honestly had trouble picking a worst role. Um, no, I, I had felt- no problem picking a worst role, so I'll go. John, John, John Getz, Gertz, whatever this jerk-off's name is, this guy is, whatever he's doing on screen is not acting. John Getz. I don't really, like, the shaking of the head and... And there's nothing likable about his character. No, and not only... Not, only- not, not just because I don't like him. I'm f- I'm fine with hating a character. No, no, but I'm saying it's not that. It's like there's nothing. Your acting is that bad. And this guy's been in movies galore. I, I, I was looking at his IMDb. He's been in The Fly, Zodiac, The Social Network, Born on the Fourth of July. Like there's a lot of movies that this guy has been in. So, I mean, whatever. I despised everything about this but character. This is, where the, this is where the writing gets me though, right? Because I can see... Her shitty character, like the person, the shitty person that her character was supposed to be in the beginning, being with this guy's shitty person that he is, yeah. right? Yeah. I can see that. Yeah. What I can't see is like, that's obviously not her, right? That shittiness is like her trying to be a good lawyer, right? right. Yeah, if I'm yeah. trying to explain her character and accept it. Gets a it, accept it like, yeah, like it's fake. It's not really her. Mm-hmm. So I can't accept that her character would be with this person at any point in time. And because what redeeming quality none. does he have even for her shitty character? He's not attractive. He's not funny. He's not fun. He's just a tool. He's a douchebag. Right. He's he, literally a piece of shit. His Yeah, his role is to be a piece of shit. 
and he's that, an over the top piece of shit. Which like, I know you talk about the shaking or whatever. That's just to add to the like the, it's, the extraness. No, yeah, but, but don't. Like, yeah, right. Don't do exactly. That, but the character itself, it just he doesn't make sense. Eric wants to say something. You well, got a I crowbar was, in, bro. Don't yeah. Spin. Wait. Well, like well, I can't see Chris's face. It's hard to know what he's saying. Um, there you are. The um, I wanted to put him as well. But the reason I didn't is because you're supposed to hate him. And I hated him so much that I'm like, well, at least he did that. Like, I despise the no, guy. Everything he did, I despise. I, I, I have to disagree with you because there's been hate because I'm supposed to hate you. And there's been hate because you're terrible on screen. And the, the character doesn't fit. Like, it doesn't fit into this world. You know, like, that's the issue. He wasn't loving, caring, kind. Understanding perfect example of someone you hate in every movie. The guy from uh from Ghostbusters. The yeah, this guy has no dick. Right, th that yeah. guy. Yeah, what's his name? Greg Gregory Peck in, in Ghostbusters. I think it's his name. It's not shit. Gregory Peck, is it? <laughs> Gregory it's something Peck. Peck. Right, like that's his character's name. But he's in Die Hard as the shitty reporter, Wait, and you hate him. You fucking hate him. But he's so good at what he's doing. Like I love, I love what he's bringing to the screen. But I hate his character. But he's and that's a, good. He's good at it. Is what Kevin's right. saying. He's good at that's, being. Uh, so, a dick. But that's that's my yeah. example. I, we got to move yeah. on yeah. out of this. Anybody else have a worse role? Uh, my worst role. I wanted to say Jim Belushi because I really don't like Jim Belushi, but it wasn't bad. So I can't say him, and I go with the same guy you did, obviously. Uh, John Getz. Yeah, John Getz. But I can't I can't care about John Getz enough. That's why I wanted to pick Jim Belushi. Anyway. All right, most quotable line? Uh, mine was um, when they're dressing Curly Sue again. She smells the clothes she's putting on. She goes, how come it smells so good? And, and Gray <laughs> replies, um, it's clean. And she looks at it like, oh, <laughs> I just thought that was, I thought it was a funny line. She just like, she had no idea why clothes were supposed to smell or were supposed to smell that way. <laughs> My most quotable line comes from uh, her boss when she gets back into the office after having been out of the office for however long. And he asks her, he's like, you're all right. You seem a little nice. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I like the quote that I gave before when he said, you know, we don't steal and we don't break any laws. And she goes, we break some. He goes, not the good ones. Yeah, well, I, I, I wish that you had elaborated on the whole entire breakdown because she there was a much longer back and forth where they kept doing that. Like, we don't lie. Well, we lie a little bit. We don't steal. <laughs> yeah. I got some notes about this movie real quick. How about that Bill Murray turned down the role because he was filming What About Bob? Nice. All right. And uh, apparently Belushi and Hughes did not get along. They actually shut down production for some time because Belushi refused to go back to uh, set. And I made, I made a note that who is he to argue with Hughes? Exactly. Because Jim Belushi is it famous tool? because his brother was famous. Yeah. I don't like John Belushi either, but that's just me. He was before your time. Exactly. <laughs> I don't think actually after this movie, Belushi barely did anything but a thousand so, credits in voice acting. All he does is voice acting pretty much. Well, and, the show, and he had his own show somehow. What was the name of his show? <laughs> Who knows? <laughs> Nobody Jim knows. Belushi that's had the a point. Show? It was something Jim. All right. Eric, would you recommend this movie? I, absolutely i think it's a movie worth watching and um that's it i mean you have to see if you have John kids Hughes. if you have kids it's not a kid's movie your kids will be bored to tears but it's a movie that you can watch with your kids so i i would recommend it for that reason 
I, I yeah, I enjoyed the movie. It's not. I the think best it's a movie, movie you watch with it's your wife. This movie. is a wifey movie. Yeah, yeah like like a, Elena was a thousand percent on board to watch this movie so, with me. So Eric, so hit the Gina, nail on right. the head. Gina watched it with me too. She's, my my watches wife watches with me too. She loved it. <laughs> I don't make know. your wife happy. You you won't hate the movie. There you exactly. Go. It's, it's, it you could do worse. Coming in at number one, Eric. Other people's money, making twenty five point six million dollars. Smile, everybody. Take a good one, Elton. The stock is up another point and a half. They call him Larry the Liquidator. Up two points. Up two points. He's a man who makes deals. Whoever has the most when he dies wins. Look, it's the American way. He's like something out of a comic book. Is there a Dunkin' Donuts in this town? I'm thinking about the donuts. Donuts? What's Maddie? Are interested in donuts? A man who stands alone. He now owns 12% of us. It's called a corporate takeover. I'm not going to commit suicide. Don't think of it as suicide. Well, think of it as euthanasia. A man with no equal. Financial News Network, here we come. Until now. Wow. I came to talk. Oof. Well, that's trouble. Lawyers want to talk. Nothing but trouble. Garfield's a blatant sexist. Talk nice. Give me a best smile. Get me my barber. Give me my manicures. This is your game. Winner takes all. <sighs> what a woman. Danny DeVito. I take from the rich and I give to the middle class. Well, the upper middle class. Would you care for some caviar? Gregory Peck. Let's kick his ass all the way back to Wall Street. Penelope Ann Miller. They'll be studying you at the Wharton School. They'll call it the Garfield era. Has a nice ring to it. In a Norman Jewison film, Other People's Money. And everybody on Wall Street. I also enjoyed this movie. Would I. Am I going to put it on again tomorrow? No, but I I had a. Will you you ever watch it again? Maybe. I mean. I won't. I probably. You know what? I don't know. I'm not going to go back. Look, here's the thing, though. So so sometimes I feel like sometimes the movies that you love are the movies that you love just because you've seen them before. When you were younger, there's a little bit of a nostalgia factor, and you watch them again and again and again. This movie, I feel like, could easily have been one of those movies that are in my rotation, but it just never made it on onto my radar. I, I mean, maybe. Yeah, I, I disagree. I think this movie was I kind of had the same kind of feel of all the movies this month they were kind of flat it just kind of never went anywhere it never climaxed it ended the ending i we'll talk about but for shit um it it just never it 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 didn't keep my attention that well i'm with eric on this and also it's supposed to be a comedy right it was funny it was not funny there were funny vito's funny i mean there were moments where he was funny but it wasn't like an overall great he's got a couple little one lines his little quips here and there his over the top, like, so here, all right, so here's. A, I thought he played a serious role, honestly. What? I, really I felt it was more of a dramatic role myself. Yeah. You guys didn't see the the absurdity in the person that he was. Like that didn't. It wasn't play a, as it funny. wasn't absurd enough. It was. That's too what I'm saying. Like it did not play earth. as I, I funny. I work for like, people like him. I, I I actually felt like it was more enjoyable to watch it as like. Okay, this is a corporate takeover, and yeah, there's a little bit of uh, back and forth with him and this this woman, and it's it's cute and 
you know, like a little bit silly, great, but I didn't think it's like a comedic performance. He had moments where it was very funny. Yes. There were moments that I, I left at what he was doing. Like, like the very ending, I think like where he had doing that little dance or whatever. Like, yeah, that, that, that made me think like, okay, yeah, he's supposed to be funny, but he, like he would get angry and he'd go on rants and like they weren't like funny rants they were like i'm i'm just here to take people's money that's what i'm here for that's what i'm I, doing I, and so like, then so, i'm sorry to interrupt but i just want to say that so the world i come from right in finance and all this shit there's a lot of guys that are you know, not like this because this is like a caricature of a person but that are they're over the top people and arrogant and boisterous and so like i don't take offense to a person like this like this is more of the more along the lines of like a guy that like he took that person that's a real life person who you know is arrogant and self-centered and 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 uh materialistic and you know all those things and he just took it to another level which made it a caricature of that person which i then find funny so i could see the difference of a point of view that you guys don't really you don't you didn't think it was funny where I think it's funny. And it's it's not that I don't see that he's a caricature, right? Like I see that. It's just that it wasn't funny to me. Like I that's what I'm saying. Like I like I an get, asshole though. No, so no. That, that's so do I, but like to me it played better as like he's just accentuating what these people are. Not 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 necessarily that it it, it comes off as funny to me. That's all. Like I get that it's an over the topness. Yeah, I, but but so it's just a difference of opinion, my point. No, that's saying, fine. And I'm just saying how it comes off to me. All right. So the plot of the movie is a corporate raider buys up shares of an undervalued company and falls in love with the founder's uh, stepdaughter. Uh, it says founder's son's lawyer, stepdaughter. That doesn't make any sense. But yeah, it's, it's the, the founder's, founder's stepdaughter. It is the founder's son. Who happens son to be the defense lawyer. His, da oh, the founder's his dad's son's yeah. stepdaughter. Right. Okay, that makes sense. I didn't realize she was the stepdaughter. I thought it was. I thought it was her, his daughter. So they never said it out loud. They just alluded that, to it. That's what I said. And Kevin said, "No, you're crazy for for thinking that." But they legitimately like. It's not until like well, probably fifty minutes into the movie that she calls the woman mom. It's like thirty minutes, but, but still. Also, you probably because I read the plot that I that I put connected the dots before I seen the movie. See, but this is why I don't read plots and watch trailers before I watch these movies because. I, I, you want what, a clear picture right. of what you're seeing on screen. That's, you know, reasonable. But I, t I, I, yeah, and I, and I take offense to this movie. Just like, okay, just randomly, all of a sudden, she's the daughter. I'm just like, wait, what? And then, like, all of a sudden, Danny DeVito has no reason to know that she's their daughter. But then, all of a sudden, he knows. But okay. like, wasn't surprised by it, and she knows that he knows. But like, they never show you that he knows. The, like, you know what I mean? Like, it's like this information is important. They needed a little uh, exposition, because I think the fact that she is this guy's stepdaughter would have made Danny DeVito handle the situation way differently. He wouldn't have treated her like an actual lawyer, even though she is an actual lawyer. He would have been like, okay, there's there's an emotional side of this that I can attack. Okay, that's a fair assessment. Uh, actors in other roles, Danny DeVito plays Lawrence Garfield. I think we all know what uh, Danny DeVito's in. Uh, Gregory Peck uh, is a super famous actor. He plays Andrew Jorgensen, who is also into Kill a Mockingbird. Is that it? Is he Kate, Atticus no. Finch? Well, he's Kate, in a lot of old movies. Cape Fear, Moby Dick. Uh, he's been acting since 1944, so um, 
There's that. Penelope Ann Miller. She is um, a character actor, but in a lot of good movies. So, in And Col- I feel like she's someone who, like, I like know, but, like, and I know her name for a fact. I know who Penelope Penel- Ann Miller is, but, like, I can't think of anything that she's in. All right, so Carlito's Way, she's Carlito's love interest. She's the, the exotic dancer, which you could see her partially okay. nude in that movie, if that's she's your thing. Gale. Yes. She's in Kindergarten Cop as Joyce. That's who. That's where mm-hmm. I'm thinking of her from. Okay. She's in Awakenings with Robin Williams. And yes. Awakenings. Robin Williams. Uh, Big Top Pee Wee, Biloxi Blues, Adventures in Babysitting. Oh, she's okay. Brenda. Now I know. Now, yeah, okay. Okay. All right. So and Family to- Ties. She's Joyce. Yes. So, all right. I don't know. I I I watched this entire movie and I can only really classify it as forgettable. Yeah, it's not something that I suffered through by any means. No. But it's not something that, like, I... I, I have no reason to put it on again. Exactly. No. Never. All right, best scene, Eric? I struggled to pull a best scene out of this movie, and I kind of pulled the same best scene as kind of where I pulled my best quote from. When they're in the staircase, um, he she's leaving. They're trying to discuss terms of the lawsuit, and he's just pushing for this sex pack. They're like, how about, you know... Um, you know, we have sex and whoever comes first, they, they win the case. And, you know, and then he's like, oh, well, you know, I'm going to put my best quote. He goes, um, well, what are we going to call this proposition? He goes, well, we'll call it easy come, easy go. And that, <laughs> yeah, so, that was, I had to pull that one. So that was my worst scene because <laughs> of the use of the word come. There was, uh, I can't. It offend when, you? No, it's, I just can't hear it's that cringy. word. It's, it's not it offensive. Cringy. It's yeah, just... It's just I, I'm not offended by it. I just I don't want to hear it. But also, we I think that <laughs> it might have been the only the time things, I laughed in the movie. One of the things that we have to take into consideration that we we don't sometimes I feel like is so it, especially in this scene, you, the '90s you don't have the 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 easy access to porn that you do <laughs> these days. So like to see a titty in a movie or to like hear some sexual tension or something like was an allure to moviegoers back then so the that scene disgusted me at this point in time but i'm sure like you know some single dudes watching this movie back in the day were like oh they're gonna do it <laughs> well <laughs> i think mention. what makes it a lot harder to watch is that it's danny devito no yeah. i th- actually I, see the thing is i'm found, okay because danny devito's always disgusting like oh oh it's I always disagree. sunny and it's always sunny like i'm okay yes. with him being disgusting but in that show it doesn't bother me he's at all. disgusting on purpose in that show i found him charismatic in this movie a little bit yeah like yeah no, like he's, he's charismatic not, I'm he's just not saying, when you're he's looking not at the him most handsome man in the hard. world yeah a I little a bit but Kevin also let me talk so now i can't remember my point we were having a conversation. I did not let you talk. Yes, you did. You cut me off. All right. Whatever. <laughs> All right. We were doing best scenes. Eric did his. You did yours? No, I didn't do mine. What's yours then? My best scene uh, was when Georgie and Bill are the, at the plant after hours, and Bill's calling out Georgie, and Georgie's refusing to admit that uh, that, that uh, the trouble that the company is in. And Bill's getting upset and yelling about his family and not wanting the rug pulled out from under him. And Georgie's just saying, well, up here, we don't bury the body until it's cold. And I just like this scene because it's there's levity. There's you you felt like an actual emotion. Uh, I thought they were the two best actors in the movie in terms of just straight acting. Mm-hmm. Um, and, yeah, I just enjoyed the back and forth. Uh, between Georgie and Bill and you could see they have a relationship. You felt that relationship and 
it really you could feel it took it took Bill's character a lot to come and and, and call Georgie out, and he got nowhere, and that of course ultimately led to Bill turning on Georgie. Yeah. Uh, my best, my best scene is, uh, the speech at the end when Yorgi's given his whole reason why we shouldn't vote for the, the new board and, and then DeVito gives his reasons why they should vote for the new board. And I told Chris, because Chris came, I was watching the end of the movie and he was over here and I was like, I, I, I don't care who wins either way. He's like, why? You don't give a shit about the movie? I was like, no, because they're both right. So like whoever wins, I'm indifferent because they both have a valid point that they made. Do you know what my notes on these speeches say? Terrible. Georgie's speech at the shareholder meeting. I fell asleep. Shit. DeVito's speech is brutal too. See, I, I'm with <laughs> Kevin on that. I thought both speeches were phenomenal because the guy goes first and you're like, oh, Great they point. Were so save long. the company, save the town. Long, you know, you're like, got, you got his back, and you're like, what's DeVito going to say that he can even keep up with what a great speech? And then DeVito crushes it and makes you go, holy crap, you know, that is why uh, I'm a shareholder. I am going to sell this, you know, make my money get out of here. So I thought but, they both were great speeches. But I wanted to watch a movie. I didn't, a comedy. I mean, I wanted to watch a comedy. I wanted to Once laugh. again, by this I point, of movie, to be I realized it wasn't a comedy. Yeah. I was watching, like, I don't even know, an industrial documentary. All right. Worst scenes? All right. So uh, another sex-related scene is the worst scene. Penelope Ann Miller is in Danny DeVito's office, and he's propositioning sex again. And then she tells to him, she tells him that he has to grab his dick, and she says to tell his dick that you must behave yourself when you're in the presence of a lady, and then he does. I'm just like, this is way too much for me. I don't want to be involved in any of this. I just want out. So that was the worst scene for me. Was sexual harassment not a thing in the 90s? I know we've had this Not at all. <laughs> Did you do worst scene, Eric? Um, I actually had the exact same scene, Kevin. I thought it was, it was weird. It was awkward, and she came out so hard on him, and she was yelling at him, put your hands between your legs, you know, yes. and... It was even I watched this one with my wife, too, and we were both looking at each other like, did that scene just happen? Weird, weird and uncomfortable yeah. was all yeah. that was. Totally. Um, agree. So so I agree with you guys that that seemed like awful, but I didn't put that as my worst scene. I said the sushi scene is the worst scene. And here's why, because I felt like it's, it just has zero continuity. So first of all, he's talking, he's acting like he doesn't know how to be. He doesn't understand Japanese culture, right? He asks for a knife and fork. He's asking for bread. He's just acting sh like like he doesn't belong. He doesn't understand what sushi is, right? And then they start talking, and he's telling her how you know Japan's taking over the world of, of the corporate world, and and teach. I'm I'm having all my uh, employees learn Japanese. Okay, that that makes sense, but that doesn't fit with the idea that you don't know Japanese culture at all. And I'm like, I don't understand what's happening. And then she's leaving. Well, and then he kisses her, which was weird too. I didn't understand where the, I didn't, I never got the vibe that she was actually interested in him. And, and the chemistry then suddenly was she is right. There was like the chemistry was forced, but anyway, that's not what bothered me the most about the scene. So then she leaves and she starts talking Japanese, like to show like, huh, I already speak Japanese and you're teaching your employees, whatever. So she leaves. Now all of a sudden Danny DeVito's character completely understands the culture, which that makes sense that he would. 
and he he's using the chopsticks and he's speaking he's spacking spacking Japanese he's <laughs> speaking Japanese and like all that makes sense but what doesn't make sense is why was he pretending that he didn't understand the culture like what was the point of that it led to nothing it proved nothing and it wasn't real so what it was might the have point? just been him playing the game you know misleading you know right maybe but, but did it throw anything off no at least not that they showed in the movie. So what's the point? Mm. I don't know. Yeah, yeah I, I, I felt like that was nitpicking, but you're entitled to your opinion. So here we are. Um, I everything I say is nitpicking. No, I just feel I, I, as in a movie that you could pick from a plethora of bad, bad scenes. You pick the fact that Danny DeVito feigned not knowing Japanese for no apparent no, because reason. they made a point of it. They made a point of it. It wasn't. It wasn't just. It wasn't just a small moment. It was an entire five-minute scene where he's pretending not. It wasn't to the point of the scene. But though. that's the point. What? Why is it happening? It wasn't the point of the scene. It was a. It was a. It was a. a, a that's a, fine. It's, it's that's. But that's. That is scene. my point, though. Is the point that it doesn't fit. It doesn't make sense. You're why right is it happening? In saying that. Yes, but that's what bothers me about it. Okay, I'm not disagreeing with you. You just told me it's nitpicking. I said I felt like you're nitpicking because it's not the point of the scene. It's like a subplot of what was happening on screen. But whatever, you're you're right that it was fucking weird. So here we are. You're right, okay? We're good. I I had another quick scene. Do you remember the scene where they're at his apartment and uh, he feeds her the mushroom dip? Oh yeah, yeah that was like the most awful. awkward. Yeah. Like, was it supposed well, to be sexy? It was Chris disgusting. And, Chris and I have already established that almost all sex, sex scenes, sex related, sex conversations on screen are awkward. They're all awkward. Just take them all out. Because you don't. Well, need I'm them. just gonna say the awkwardness was because the chemistry between the two of them through the entire movie was confusing. It's, it's it, all sometimes awkward. they let you think that she likes him, and other times it's just part of the game, and you just never understood. And and then look, you know, look at look at the ghost sex scene was fucking awkward. Yeah, everything like, all awkward. Everything you this wasn't sex. This was, was just feeding someone right. food. But uh, but anything, everything you can do with an innuendo or sex or anything like it can all be taken care of with a kiss, and that's all you need is yeah. that one kiss. Done and fade yeah, to black. What was that? What was that? I I brought that up not that long ago. We did a movie that I can't even remember what it was. Now I said that I said a sex scene done right. There was a kiss, and then they flashed to him in bed, and then it was over, and it was the next day. That's how you do a sex scene. There's I don't need to watch the intimacy. Don't need to see any thrust. Yeah, I don't need to see the thrust. I don't need to hear makeout sounds. Or I don't, see spit string yeah. from each other's mouths. I don't yeah, need that. Uh, yeah, I, I, I'll, I'll uh, cruel intentions. Oh, well, I mean, well, I don't. I don't need any of it. Just I want to just to somehow very discreetly explain to me that it happened and we've moved on. Just. Fade to black. Next morning, we had sex last night. Yeah. Move on. Wasn't it great? Yes, it was, that was great. awesome. What are we doing next? <laughs> All right. Where are we? Best role? We are What's on you? best role, I believe. All right. I don't know, man. DeVito, I guess. I, I yeah, like I'm the with guy. DeVito. I, I, I didn't not like DeVito. I, I didn't not like anybody. No, I didn't I, dislike anyone in this movie. I just thought that, you know, 
Gregory Peck and the guy who played Bill, I don't know his name. I thought they did the best jobs. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. But I think because they're like real actors, right? Like Dean Jones. Dean yeah. Jones. Like they I were just OGs think they, on the set. Yeah, they're yeah. old school guys. Yeah. Real yeah. old school guys. And, and I just felt they're, I, they they had a command of the screen. And Danny DeVito remember has what, a command, but it's like different. It's like a... Remember what I said it in King Ralph when Peter O'Toole was like the only person that was like... A real actor. And that's I feel like... Cut from the same cloth, sort of thing. These two guys are, you know, those old school. Do your job, be play a good role, yeah. regardless of the movie that you're in, sort of thing. Like that's what these two men did. Yeah, I agree. I just I don't, but I don't want to take anything from Danny DeVito because I just think he has a different type of presence. But I think he does command the screen as well. Just it's not like you said, like it's that that old school style of acting. It's not that manly, like yeah. Yo, DeVito, yeah, I thought he did a good job in this movie. It wasn't great, but he did a good job. But I think that you're right in saying that those two men, when they were on screen, like, you were watching a performance. Yeah. You know what Effortless. I mean? Effortless. Yep. Yeah. They, yeah, exactly. it's like they're not even acting. They're just there. They're just doing their thing. They, they were solid. Right, DeVito's more like endearing. Yes. <laughs> right, right. Quirky, yes. good. endearing. Exactly. I think that was perfect. Worst role? I mean, I'm gonna. St- I, I, I like. Don't I say hate, Penelope. I'm not. Man. I'm not going to because I didn't hate anybody in this movie. I, I can't say like, oh, this is a worse role because I thought the roles were necessary. I thought the the people played them fine. I just don't think there was. See, see, I Kevin, I can vote- disagree. I can say it's Kate Sullivan, and, and not because the actress, because the role. And the thing that confused me from her role through the whole movie was her love interest in Devito. It was back and then forth. Then give it to they the never writer. Solidified it. There give was it to the writer then. Dro- right, but that's oh, the but point of us the changing role. it from actress it's to role. The role. That was the whole the point of us doing that. She, yeah, she did yeah, a fine job. Right, that's what he's right. saying. Okay, all the right. role there, there. of her was confusing, even there. at the okay. very end. You have no idea where it's going. He, okay. he ends up going. Eh, it's back on. What's back on? No, so I her role. Okay. Yeah, I, 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 you, you convinced me. I, I agree, especially so then, since I was so then unaware. I'll jump, I'll jump on the bandwagon then. Especially since Get I was on. unaware that she was the daughter until like thirty minutes into the movie. I thought she was just some hotshot lawyer, and I was, and I almost feel like that would have played better than her being the daughter. Because why? Why? Yeah. They didn't listen to her anyway. <laughs> not yeah, one. Not once. All right, quotable lines. I don't know. Well, I already said my first one was the sex proposition where he says, easy come, easy go. Um, And then there was a come, Chris, (laughs) come. (laughs) It's it's not a big deal, bro. Um, And then the other one I thought was actually pretty good was, um, you know, she's talking to DeVito. She's saying, um, rumor has it, you've got balls. And in DeVito's quippy little way, he he talks, he goes, yeah, I've been trying to show you all week. That's the best line of the whole movie. It was a good line. It was. I also I like the 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 way the movie started. This is the the, the opening monologue. I guess you call it if you could call it a monologue. Yeah. I found it entertaining, and I was like, "Oh, this movie's gonna be hysterical," and then it wasn't. But <laughs> so he's like, "There are only three things in this world with that kind of unconditional acceptance: dogs, donuts, and money. Only money is better. You know why? Because it don't make you fart, and it don't poop all over the living room floor." I mean, like, that's just so fucking ridiculous. I like that line. <laughs> I also liked, um, he offers, uh, DeVito offers uh, Kate Sullivan a donut. He goes, would you like a donut? She goes, no, thank you. I'm not hungry. He goes, you got to be hungry to eat a donut. Yes, I, I never heard one. of such a thing. <laughs> yeah. well, like I said, there, there were a couple of moments that made me laugh in this movie. Those were two of them. The uh, amount of donuts he ate in this movie was insane. And cigarettes See, that he smoked. I yeah. think. 
I think that was like the best comedy in this movie, though, was the the constant Dunkin' Donuts, and it's like obviously product placement, but also like it's so absurd to think a man of this wealth is constantly at Dunkin' Donuts. Yeah. <laughs> and, and here's uh, one of your uh, little research um, info for you: all those donuts were fake. Danny DeVito refuses to eat junk food, and they had those donuts custom made at a local bakery that had no sugar, no fat, no nothing in it. Well, I mean, a man of Danny DeVito's stature, clearly he's a healthy his, his physique, I mean, who would want to foul up a thing like that? He's Wait, just that's got to be a joke. That's got to be a joke. No, I, read, I read a couple things about it. Oh my They actually God. gave the name of the bakery they were made in. All right. Well. All right. Uh, any other notes that we have about this movie? No. My best, the best scene I thought, how about this? How about when DeVito is explaining stock valuation? I literally thought that was the most simplistic and perfectly spoken explanation Succinct. of the valuation of a stock for a corporation. I was like, holy crap. I totally understood yeah. that. I thought I, I mean, I hope it's real because I hope that's right. I don't, I have no idea if it is because I understood it too. No, there was a lot of, uh, a lot of, uh, uh, I guess wall street jargon, uh, uh, investment jargon and stuff that they put into this movie that I thought was, Worth it. It made it seem like you were in the real world. So I, I, I appreciated that. All right. Uh, would you recommend this movie, Chris? No, not really. I mean, I, I don't. I didn't hate it, but I'm also never going to watch it again. Eric? I'm going to say absolutely not. And we didn't even discuss the ending, how it just falls flat. There's no ending. It, you don't know what's there. There's no conclusion. You, there's no, there's no closure. No, 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 there is. But then, but, but then... Then all of a sudden it's not closure. Like I don't know, it was weird. No, I it, disagree with both of you. It was so a what, strange ending. No, it, I, the movie should have ended after. No, like like they didn't have because to be they needed a happy ending. But it's not a happy ending. It's the it's the ability that there may be a happy ending. No, there was because he got back with the girl. He wanted. The he girl. didn't get back to her. There's the try. He I think that's. I think that's the deal. He got back to the point. He got back to the chase. Yeah. She allowed him back into the chase. Right, and he likes the chase more than he likes winning. I think. Yeah. So. All right. I guess it's fine. Anyway, I would not, I would not recommend this movie. I would also not not recommend this movie. It is the definition of lukewarm. All right. So that's the end of this month. And thank God, because we finally get a month with some decent movies. I cannot wait for next month. But you know what I can't <laughs> wait for even more? A real Disney movie? No. As much as I love You know love what Chris Beauty, is looking forward to? Beauty and the Beast that's coming in November. And I love that movie. And I'm a 41-year-old masculine male and love Beauty and the Beast. Self-proclaimed masculine. It's, well, <laughs> yeah, it's arguable, but... He identifies. Stick, stick to the... Stick to the story. I cannot wait for Hook in December. Right, All, but we're not talking about December. We're talking about November. You mention that in every single podcast. That's fine and fair. All right, so next week, if you're watching with us, uh, we are watching at number three, Cape Fear. Number two, The Addams Family. And coming in at number one in November of 1991, Beauty and the Beast. Also included in the month, uh, My Girl, which is definitely Maybe The saddest watchable. movie ever made. Yeah. He can't see without his glasses. <laughs> and Highlander 2, The Quickening. Yeah. Worst which, movie ever. I'm I, I don't know, which is sad after the first was an one. abomination. Best it was actually a different director. Totally went into outer space and aliens and ruined the whole franchise. Yeah. They made a third, and they totally dis disavowed the second. All right. So, uh, well, so that's it. 
right. Uh, I could let that be it because we should. <laughs> I need to go home. All right, everybody. Thank you for listening to this disaster of an episode. And I had fun. And I had we'll a great see time. You next, see and you next time. I'm going to bed because it's 1140 on a Thursday night. <laughs> and this concludes another episode of Be Kind, Please Rewind, a 90s movie podcast. We hope you enjoyed the episode. For all the latest news and updates, don't forget to follow us on Twitter at Please Rewind 90s, Instagram at Please Rewind 90s Movies, and on Facebook at Be Kind, Please Rewind, a 90s movie podcast. Thanks again for listening, and we'll be back in two weeks.